The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Father, thank you that you promised where two or three are gathered together, no matter where they gather. If they gather in your name, that you're among them. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would walk among us this morning by your spirit and open our hearts and eyes to see Jesus. Father, help us to know how high and wide and deep and long is the love of Christ for us. Would you open our hearts, O God? Would you open our minds? May we receive your truth and may we experience life today. Father, I need you this morning desperately to speak your word in a way that, in a word that makes sense. A uh, way that makes sense. So God, would you come and give me what I need? And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I do want to thank FedEx for uh, all the flyovers. Um, we had to work really hard to get those flyovers arranged. So uh, there you go. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, after church, a couple in our body came up to me, and um, actually the uh, the husband, the dad in the relationship, and and told me that um, that they were in the process of adopting a child or being um, willing to adopt a child. And, and they were going through an agency to do that. And uh, they needed a pastoral reference, and I agreed to, to um, uh, fill out that reference and to respond to the questions when I, I received a call. And last Sunday when I saw them, I, I said, hey, nobody ever called me. And, and they said, well, I'm sure we're just in the earliest, you know, earlier stages. And... Um, I'm sure somebody will reach out to you. Well, Wednesday, this past Wednesday, they got a phone call that a mother who was in labor at the hospital had chosen them to be um, <laughs> their, uh, her baby's uh, adoptive parents. And so they went from thinking about it, counting the cost, making the commitment to becoming adoptive parents that they brought their little baby home yesterday and how exciting that was yes amen but the reason i tell you this story and i think that the peculiar timing of that story is because our passage this morning is about adoption but it's not about the adopting others babies it's about how god has adopted his children and how each of us, if we are children of God, how we have been adopted by him. Uh, you, you see, John has been telling us, and, and we've been marching through the book of John, and we've gotten to this point, and, and up to this point we've had some deep theological lessons about what a Christian is and, and what a Christian is not. How you can discern if you really are a child of God, and how you can discern if someone is not a child of God. And he's been giving us some deep theology, but then he kind of breaks out in First John, uh, John three one, and he has stopped giving theology, and he is just breaking into doxology. He can't contain himself. He says in verse one of, uh, of chapter three, "See, would you see the kind of love, the nature of the kind of love with which the Father." has gifted, literally gifted to us, that we would be called children of God. We, of all people, that we would be called children of God. And then he says this, and so we are. 
You see, man, he breaks into doxology. He is so excited because he knows how radical it is for a human being on this side of Genesis 3 to call himself a child of God. Most religions and, 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 and most people in other religions are offended by the confidence that a Christian has to call himself, to be certain, to be sure that I'm a child of God because other religions are trying to work their way to God and the conclusion won't be known until they're face to face with God. But that's a huge distinction of Christianity because in Christianity, we are told, and this is the whole purpose of the, the epistle of First John, that we can know that we are children of God. Those who have faith in Jesus Christ. And yet... That may sound arrogant, but it's anything but. I'm not saying there aren't Christians who can be arrogant. But what I am saying is it is not arrogant to say that because if a, if a Christian understands what he's saying, he is saying that I've done nothing and Jesus has done it all. And that is the gospel. He has made us children of God. In, in the next chapter, we're going to hear John proclaim, and, and practically everyone knows this Bible verse in 1 John 4, God is love. And yet he's already getting us into the love of God by celebrating it. See what kind of love the Father has for us that he would call us children of God, and so we are. You see, John understands the depth of the love of God. He understands the theology of Paul. Who said he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now get this. First John, I mean, excuse me, Ephesians 1 and then verse 5. In him he predestined us, catch this, to be adopted as sons. What? I mean, I thought the plan of God kind of was thwarted with sin and then God had to regroup and they had to huddle up and come up with a different plan. No. It was always the plan of God to adopt you and me. What he means is, is that when when God was in uh, in glory, existing alone in the community of the Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that because he is love, love can't contain itself. Love's got to go somewhere. Love's got to produce something. Love has to share. And so creation comes from the originator, love himself, as he explodes having to create a world, a universe, and a people that can share his love. Because love has to have a place to go. And so, John understands that it was before the creation of the world that God chose us to be adopted. And you see, just as the parents this week had to count the cost, he counted the cost. And he said, I'm willing to pay it for you. And the payment was the life, death of his own son, Jesus Christ. And he said, you are the object of my love. Dear friend, if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, I want to talk to you first. You are loved by the Father. I want you to see a few pictures here. I want to scroll through some pictures, Matthew. Just, just go back and forth. Do you see the love in the face? Do you see the love in the eyes of these parents for their child? Do you see who's the recipient? <laughs> Do you understand that's how God wants you to not just 
acknowledge your relationship with Him? I mean, what adoptive parents, maybe this has happened in a burst of anger and things are really bad, and you pull out the adoption papers and say, you are my son, you know, here it is, you are, no. How does an adopted child know that he is really the child, really a, a, a real child of the father and mother that have brought him in? Love. He has to not just intellectually, but emotionally accept the love of the parent. Have you, Christian, this morning accepted how high and wide and deep and long the love of the Father is for you right now? You see, that is His power. It's something you have to experience daily. And it doesn't just happen. You've got to bring it in. So bring it in right now. I'm going to give you a few moments. Just close your eyes and think of the Father's face looking at you, not in light of how your sin should make Him look at you, but as He is looking at His own Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy One of Israel, righteousness itself. Just close your eyes and think about that. See His face. The face of a Father that loves you. And will not give up on you. Do you know the love of the Father? If you're not a believer in Jesus this morning, that's, that's the security of the relationship. And you say, okay, I need to hear more. Well, adoption starts in the heart of the father. But secondly, adoption changes the life of a child. Adoption changes the life of a child. If we understand our adoption and we are living. Thank you, FedEx. Perfect timing. I told them 1049. They're doing it just right on schedule. I'm going to let it pass. I have a friend who told me a couple years ago that his son, who I know, uh, who was in his early 20s, was adopted. He said, yeah, we adopted him. And I was so shocked because I never would have guessed it. You see, this child acts so much like a part of the family. I mean, like DNA, like there's no distinction. And, And you see, that's the power of love. It wins us and it shapes us. We see this in young children many times when they are adopted and they're brought into a home. There's a period, a season of rebellion. And adoptive parents have to be persistent in their patient love for their, for their adopted child. They have to continue to pour out love, continue to pour out affection. Why? To convince, not just intellectually, but to convince internally in the heart of that child that I'm loved. And sometimes some children just can't ever receive it because of the wounds that have been inflicted upon them. Because what has happened to them when they did trust, when they did hope. And friends, the correlation is obvious with you and me in our relationship with God. You see, our disobedience is no doubt rooted in independence and pride. 
But the primary cause of all of our sin is a denial and a rejection here for the love of God. It's this something rises up in us and we've got to be God. We have to live our own lives. All right, that was a little early, FedEx. Uh, We've got to live our own lives. That's how we think. And yet, what does God do? He continues to remind us over and over and over. And we sin and we run and we rebel. And His love continues to remind us. He is the father of the prodigal son who leaves and squanders all of his father's wealth on drinking and prostitutes and wild living. And yet when that child turns his face toward home, he doesn't have to get too close before the father sees him and comes running. That's your father. And when you know that, when you understand that, it will change you. I want to list four quick things of how the love of God changes us. Number one, the adoptive love of the father is power to convince us that we are wanted. The, the power of the adoptive love of God is power to convince us that we are wanted. Greg is a friend of mine that um, I was in a relationship, uh, discipleship relationship with at, at one point in his life and mine. And we were meeting one day to actually study. A, we were going through a study called Sonship, which talks about adoption and how to live out of our adoption. And yet he came in and, and I could tell something was troubling him. And all I had to do was say, what, what's wrong, Greg? And immediately, I mean, it was like a torrent of tears. I'm, I'm not talking a little, I'm talking like snot, just tears coming. And as we, as I finally, after five, ten minutes, calmed him down a little bit, he um, came out with this story. He said, I have felt disdain from my mother all my life. I have felt as if she hated me. And I've asked her and I've asked her, what did I do, Mom? What did I do? And she's never told me. And yet this morning, my grandmother told me that my mother was raped. And I'm, I'm the child from that rape. And you know, he'd been carrying around guilt. He'd been carrying around this, this sense of, I am unwanted. My wife just texted me and said, y'all could hear over the plane, so I'm going to keep on preaching. Uh, thank you, honey. I need some help up here. Uh, my friend really, I think, exhibits all of us. It, it doesn't take much for us to be convinced that we are not wanted by God. And yet the adoptive love of God, when we understand it and we experience it, gives us a sense that we are wanted. Before the creation of the world, in love, He predestined us to be adopted as sons. Dear friends, do you know that you are wanted by God? That He saw you from all creation before the foundation of the earth and He said, I want you. And you're right, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Him. And therefore, nothing can thwart it. 
He knows you completely. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you'll do today. And He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. And He says, I want you. And that's what we can live with as adopted children of God. Secondly, the adoptive love of the Father provides the attachment needed to grow up. Josh Shelley, one of our elders and friend at church, gave me the book by Gordon Neufeld and uh, Gaber Matei. They wrote a book called Hold On to Your Kids. And it's a fascinating study and a fascinating read on um, the necessity of the of a child's, um, I guess, need to be attached to the nurturing adults in their lives. And he, he says that is the base need that we all have. We are born with this need to be attached to the nurturing adults around us. And he said in, in historic por- proportions... Uh, we are experiencing generations of children who are not being attached emotionally to nurturing adults around them. Listen to what they write. Economics and culture today no longer provide the context for the natural attachment of children to their nurturing adults. You see, in the old days, children would go to work with their mom and dad. They'd be out in the fields with their mom and dad. They, they, you know, work and life, everything was just together. It was communal and there was constant attachment. And yet they go on. Only recently have the psychological attachment patterns of children been well charted and understood. Absolutely clear is that children were meant to revolve around their parents and the other adults responsible for them just as the planets revolve around the sun. And yet more and more children are now orbiting around each other. Wow, fascinating. I mean, what they're saying is, is that from the earliest um, age, you can't take your children to work with you anymore. And so at the earliest age, our children are, 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 are being in the care of others who are underpaid um, and yet overworked uh, by too many children. And so that natural attachment isn't happening. And, and I would get the book, uh, if this is a concern for you, because he, they give a lot of hope and practical uh, steps to take, um, you know, to alleviate that. It's not, it's not just this doomsday prediction and then leaves you. It, it's really uh, hopeful. Um, and so I encourage you to read it. But as I thought about that, that a, a child needs the attachment to adult, not their peer. They don't, they don't need these attachments to their peer. They need that attachment to uh, an adult, especially when they're young, so that they can have the security of home, the security of community, so that they can trust and not be anxious in their lives. And yet, as I thought about that in correlation to God, as we said last week, Every truth in this life can be drawn back to God because in the beginning, God. That's why love is so pervasive in our hearts and in society. We cannot live without love. Why? Because God is love. And we were made in His image. Well, the same thing here. God created us to be attached to parents and for parents to lead us to the greatest attachment, and that is God Himself. Friends, this morning, the greatest need that you have is to be attached to God. The greatest need that you have is to be attached to Him and to live depending upon Him and trusting Him. 
You know, a child can live dangerously. I've seen children this morning climbing too high. This structure back here, it looks like a mountain, uh, you know, that the children can climb. And I've seen them try. And you know what? The children that do have a lot of confidence and they probably have some love, a loving community around them that gives them that kind of confidence. That's what we need, friends. We need to know that we are attached to God and He is trustworthy. And then thirdly, the adoptive love of the Father provides a safe place to practice faithfulness. Seven times in the verses between chapter 228 and chapter 3, and yeah, chapter 3 verse 10, does he use this word practice? He talks about practice of righteousness and practice of, of evil. Uh, verse 29 of chapter 2, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now, why is that? We know that it's not to be saved. We're not preaching a works righteousness that you've got to practice righteousness in order to be saved. But a child of God will practice righteousness. Now, follow me. Some Harvard psychologists came out recently with um, five things that they could point to um, that parents did of healthy adult children. And four and five on that list read this way. Teach your children, or they were t- teach your children to care for others and set high ethical expectations. So you're teaching your children right from wrong. You're teaching them to practice right over wrong. And then fifthly, encourage kids to practice appreciation and gratitude. Now, which children are going to practice appreciation and gratitude? Which children are going to obey their parents? The ones that love their parents. And which children are not going to obey their parents? The children that are pushing the love of God away. That's what John is getting at. The children that are trusting their father practice what is right. Because that's all we can do is practice it. Because we're going to fail. But that's the beauty of being a child of the father. It's just like our children. We teach them right from wrong. They go out and oh, they're doing right. And then all of a sudden they do wrong. And what do we do? We're going to, we discipline them in whatever method we've, we've chosen. We're going to talk about this one in a minute. And then we embrace them, don't we? We don't say, oh, you're not one of us because you disobeyed. It's over. Let's put. No. And so they have a context. They have a home. They have a loving place in which they can practice righteousness. And only the children of God are going to try because they know that when they fail, if they fail, how badly they fail, that the father was never going to push them out. It's only a child that knows he's loved deep down. It's only a child that is living in light of the love of the Father who will practice righteousness. Are you practicing righteousness? Don't just run to the law, but run to God and receive His love this morning. You've got to know that you're loved. And then practice that righteousness. And when you fail, know He's waiting. And then fourthly, The way that adoption changes us. The adoptive love of the Father provides a context of much needed discipline. This past week, Whitney, our oldest daughter, um, texted a um, story to us. Bennett was in kind of like a hill like this. They went to somebody's house and he got out of the car and he just, I mean, a a kid I saw 
One of the kids this morning, first thing he did when he got here was just started running down this hill to see how fast he'd go. And kind of busted and slid and got dirty. But hey, that's all right. Well, that's what Bennett did. But as Whitney watched him running, the street was just beyond. And she realized he wasn't going to stop. And so what did she do? She did what every parent would do. Screamed at the top of her lungs. And, and because she saw a car coming. And about the time Bennett was getting to that road, that car saw Bennett running, slammed on their brakes, and then Bennett slammed on his brakes. And you can only imagine what Whitney did. She got in his cute little face and had a disciplinary conversation. Now, why do we do that? Why does a good parent do that? Because it is better to be disciplined by a parent than by the front end of a car. And do you understand that that's the discipline of God? Dear friends, it's better to be disciplined by God than to be disciplined by the front end of the world. I think one thing that God does, and C.S. Lewis, we don't have time to unpack that this morning, but when he describes hell, he talks about the whole reality that, um, that hell is the place that God just gives us what we want. Wow. Do you know, when God does that in our lives, many times our lives are destroyed. Or so we think. That, that's typically the time that God has our attention most. When He's allowed us to get what we want and think what's best for us. And we hit bottom. That's what bottom is. It's following our desires to the end of their, their, the conclusion that this ended in death, not life. And it's then that we can look up to God. And God the whole time is thinking, wouldn't it have been easier to look up to me way back there? You see, we need the discipline of God. We've been through a lot at downtown church over the last several months. I read a, um, an article that I think John Piper wrote. I know he wrote it. Um, and he was talking about when, when there's... Sin in the church, especially by leaders in the church, um, you know, a minister has a, some type of moral fall. His advice to the church, and I thought it was brilliant, was that this is a period of discipline. So don't rush through it. But hear what God is saying to you. Man, that changed my whole attitude. I began listening to God. God, tell me, tell me. Because this hurts and I don't want anything. I don't, not only do I not want what this happened before again, but I don't want anything worse to happen. So teach me whatever it is. Come on, bring it now. See, that's the discipline of God. And it's healthy and it's good. What is God saying to you right now? What are those, what are those unfulfilled parts of your life and you know your heart is looking somewhere else? God is saying, come home, don't go there. And beautiful. So that's how adoption changes us. And lastly and quickly, adopted children are born of the Father. John is forcing this question, who's your daddy? <laughs> he really is. The reason we call this series Grayless is because there's so many moments in the book where John just says, boom, here's the line. Which side are you on? And this is one of them. Listen to... Um, Listen to these verses, uh, verses 8 through 10. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. 
Okay, John, what's your point? <laughs> really? Tell us what you're thinking. Uh, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it's evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Who's your daddy? That's what he's saying. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This echoes back. I love studying 1 John because you hear his gospel. And, and immediately, as he started talking about the children of the devil and the children of God, it reminded me of that conversation he had when the Pharisees came to kill him. This is what he told them in John eight forty four. He said, you Pharisees are of your father, the devil. That's who your daddy is. And I'm telling you, that's who your daddy is. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the, in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, if you're here at the Levitt Shell and you saw this event on Facebook and you're not really a churchgoer and you're probably thinking, really, these people, man, I feel like I'm kind of going back in time. Yeah, we, we do believe that there is evil and a father of that evil called the devil. And we believe that there is God who has power and authority who will put him down one day, someday, finally, because of the resurrection of Jesus. But let me ask you this. For you personally, is it easier for you, is it more natural for you to be angry at those who make fun of you, to want to seek revenge toward those that you've loaned money to and they hadn't paid you back? Is it your natural inclination to forgive maybe a spouse that betrayed you, maybe a friend that betrayed you, maybe a business person that betrayed you, maybe somebody that fired you, maybe... Is it, is it natural? Is it your natural inclination to forgive and to dream about what the kind things are you can do for them? Or is it natural to fantasize their demise? There's evil in this world, and unfortunately, that evil impacts us. Paul said it himself. He said, I wake up in the morning, and Paul said this when he was a believer. He said this when he was a child of God. That this struggle is going on between the father of the truth and the father of lies all the time for us as believers. He said, I wake up in the morning, and the very righteous thing I want to do, I find that I end up not doing. But I, but I find that I do the very thing I said I wasn't going to do. And he, he just goes through this. And man, if you can't relate to that... I don't understand. <laughs> because there's no one righteous. No, no. There's nobody that lives as perfectly as they desire on any day. And yet Paul gets to the end of that in Romans 7. He said, Wretched man that I am, from whence does my help come? And then he answers it. Thanks be to Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we become children of God? How are we born into God? How does His seed 
come in us. That's, that's what he says here, that his seed comes in us. Well, again, John tells us in his gospel, John 3, 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He was speaking that to a Pharisee. He was speaking that to Nicodemus. He says in 1 John 5, 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who believes, as He taught us last week, that Jesus came in the flesh, that our sin was so bad that He literally had to come and rescue Richard Reeves physically, tangibly. He had to live the life that Richard Reeves wouldn't ever live. He had to bear up under the law and the expectations of the law. And he had to get to the end and hear his father either say righteous or unrighteous. He did that for us. So then now I don't have to wait till the end. But I can be born of God today. I can live with the confidence that I'm a child of God. How do you become a child of God? How does an adopted child in a home who has yet to open their heart to the love of the parents become a literal part of the family? All that child has to do is open their heart to the love that's being extended to them. That's all they have to do. So dear friend, this morning, if you are apart from Christ, that's all you have to do is open your heart to your need and the presence and reality that God is love and He is willing to bring you into the family of God. This morning, right now. Say, Richard, it can't be that easy. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I've done in the past. You don't know how I feel about myself. You're right. I don't know, but God does. This isn't the promise of downtown church. This isn't the promise of Richard Reeves. It's the promise of God in His Word. And what He is telling you this morning is that He has sent His Son to live the life you could never live and will never live die the death under his judgment, drink, drinking the cup of his wrath, so that now you can be declared born anew and a child of God. And if there is any desire in your heart this morning to have that, it's because God has been pursuing you throughout eternity. You can't even... Do you understand? God has been waiting. God has been working. God has been saying right now, the Levitt shell, here on this day... I'm bringing you to myself. Would you come to Jesus this morning? That's all you have to do. Say, Father, I've been running. I've been looking to anything and everything to fulfill me, but nothing has. But I believe with this message that this this guy this morning is preaching, I'm hearing it in new ways. I really do want to believe it. So believe it in your heart right now. Say yes to God. And then just begin to walk with Him. If you feel like something is going on, or or maybe I've made you mad this morning, come talk to me. Talk to one of the members around you at downtown church. Tell them, this this sounds like some exclusive bunch of... Tell us. Let's talk about it. Let's meet face to face. Let's enter dialogue. Because you're not... I mean, if it's wrong, I don't want to believe it. But if it's right, I can guarantee you, you do want to believe it. So let's enter that conversation. Don't just walk away from here. 
This is the place that we we want you in this body. It doesn't matter where we meet. This is downtown church right here. And we're here to help you process. And Christian, this morning, I know you need to open your heart to the love of God. Because your pastor does every second of every day. So I pray this morning that we would all open our heart to the love of God. I'm going to ask that some of our elders and community group leaders, if y'all would just kind of be at the top of the hill, back in that corner where that purple, just by that bathroom. Some of our elders and community group leaders, if anybody wants prayer this morning, uh, you may want to talk to somebody about coming to faith in Jesus. They will be there for that. But also, if you came here with a burden and you're tired of carrying it alone and you want just a group of believers to begin praying with you, um, Tell them, and they'll pray with you right there um, on the spot. Um, Thank you so much for being here this morning. And I hope and pray that, that you've heard something new. And downtown church members, I hope that the love of God the Father would come crashing into your hearts. Because that's what downtown church needs most. We need the love of God to become so tangible that we begin to live in the joy of the love of the Father. And we can dance in that joy and we can live in that joy from this point forward. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you for the words that I just preached because these are your words. It would be absolutely ridiculous and offensive if this is not your revelation. But, oh God, I thank you that you have given your word. You preserved your word. And I pray that you would produce faith, that you would renew faith, that you would deepen faith. That you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear how high, wide, deep, and long is the love of God for us. Oh God, would you do it? We know you can. And Father, now we just pray that you'll use the gifts that we bring.